Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Well, another week, another first-time winner. Dylan Fratelli, the South African who went to the University of Texas in his first year on tour, picks up a two-shot win at the John Deere Classic, his first PGA Tour win, and his first top 10 So at the age of 29, he gets inspired, clearly inspired, by Matthew Wolf, the 20-year-old who won last week at the 3M Open. So that begs the question, are we on a young march right now for the kids coming out on tour? I think we see that every year when the youngsters start to rise up and take over and the old guys start to fade away, hate to say that. But Dylan Fratelli is a pretty good player. As I said, he's from South Africa. He's won over in Europe. I think he's got four wins over there. But he went to the University of Texas and helped the Longhorns win the NSA2A championship over Alabama. In fact, he sank the winning putt in the match to propel Texas to that national championship. And Jordan Spieth was a freshman on that team. So Jordan is obviously very familiar with Dylan. Unexpected, though, for Fratelli. I always say that players play well in streaks, but... Let's face it, uh, a streak's got to start somewhere. But this was an unexpected win, I think, in everyone's mind. Fratelli's last five events on tour were a tie for 46, a tie for 46, a miscut, a 59th, and a miscut. So I can't really understand the answer to all this, but having been a tour player for so many years, I do know that you can catch lightning in a bottle. I do know that one tip, one little adjustment, a change in your grip, a change in your ball position, a change in your stance, a change in your alignment can make all the difference in the world. So something clicked for Dylan Fratelli. Maybe it was the Matt Wolf win the week before. Maybe it was his buddy and college teammate Jordan Spieth playing so well on tour early on in his career. Don't know what it is, and I don't really care. And neither does Dylan Fratelli. It's just great to get your first win, and congratulations to Dylan. Over on the PGA Tour champions, it was a South African double. First of all, Fratelli at the John Deere Classic, and then Retief Goosen, the two-time U.S. Open champion who just joined the PGA Tour champions, picked up a win at the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship at the very difficult Firestone Golf Course in Akron, Ohio. If you remember, a lot of us played at Firestone over the years in the Bridgestone and the World Series of Golf. Such a wonderful golf course, but it's hard. It's long. It's usually pretty wet. And it's an exacting golf course. You've got to drive it long and straight. You've got to hit a lot of greens and you have to putt well. And I think Everybody on the Champions Tour now would agree that Retief Goosen, now that he is 50, playing out there, I, we all think that he's going to dominate. The guy is such a great player, obviously winning two times in the U.S. Open. He came to 17, tied for the lead with Jay Haas and Tim Petrovic, and proceeded to birdie 17 and 18 to win by two, which is pretty impressive to do. It's uh, Sometimes you're leaking oil coming down the stretch. Hate to admit that, but sometimes you're a little nervous. It's hard to put your hands on the club properly. But last week, that wasn't the case for Retief Goosen, calmly birding 
17 and 18 for that two-shot win. So congrats to South Africa, Dylan Fratelli and Retief Goosen flying their country's flag very high with two wins over the weekend. Now, for me, I spent the week at Edgewood Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe, at the American Century Championship watching the celebrities, some of the heroes of basketball, baseball, and football, and and the entertainment world, play three rounds of golf at Edgewood Tahoe, trying to win that tournament. And first of all, congrats to Tony Romo, the defending champion who went out and dominated the field. He played so well. He actually, at one point, I think he had a 17-point lead. It was a modified Stableford system where... You would pick up points even if you made a par. If you made a par on a hole, you got one point. The only way you could lose points would be if you made double bogey, you lost two points. A bogey gave you no points, but a birdie, uh, a par was one, a birdie was three, and an eagle was six points. And Romo played great for the week. I think he ended up the week two under, and that's after really having struggles coming down the back nine. With six or seven holes to play, he was, I think, 17 points ahead, but got a little bit loose. I think he started maybe steering a little bit too much. He made a couple of uh, bogeys, unexpected bogeys coming home, missed some putts, but it was really an interesting, interesting event. It's my third year doing television there, and the American Century Championship is the longest-running made-for-TV event ever. It was in its 30th year. It started back in 1990 when nobody really knew what was going to happen. In fact, we showed some old footage, Johnny Miller and Bryant Gumbel in the booth, and players like Dan Marino and John Elway were playing uh, Bill Lambeer, the Detroit Pistons back then. And it was, uh, nobody really knew what to expect, but it's been my it's been my pleasure to be there the past three years. The excitement, the fun, the way that the celebrities engage with the fans, as you've seen maybe on television, right on the right on the edge of the lake, the fans fight for those prime spots with their boats right against the 17th and 18th holes. And it's pretty interesting to be able to, to be a part of that. Now, one of the things people have said to me in the past that that's not real golf. Well, let me ask you, what is real golf? Golf is something that people love to play at any level. It doesn't matter if it's junior golf, amateur golf, PGA Tour golf, celebrity golf, or senior golf. It's real golf to those people that are trying to win those tournaments. I started on tour when I was 22 years old, and here I am sitting at 65 still trying to compete on the Champions Tour. Every time I play, I'm trying to win, and there's nothing wrong with that. When we look at the American century championship in particular tony romo mark Mulder, Derek lowe justin timberlake charles barkley they are as serious as i am about their golf i'm out there in the morning on the range with these with these people and yeah they're star of stage and screen and the gridiron and the basketball court and the baseball diamond but they really work on their game as hard as i do or as hard as Tiger, or as hard as Phil, or Jordan Spieth. It doesn't matter. And they're always trying to pick up tips, not only from each other, but from any pro that that are around them. In fact, I had a chance to spend some time with uh, Tennessee Titans coach Mike Vrabel on the range, Cincinnati Bengal quarterback Andy Dalton on the range, 
just giving little tips about ball position and about a proper turn and swing speed. Had a chance to spend some time with my pal Charles Barkley, who was one of my most favorite people I've ever I've ever met in my life. And I know we make fun of Charles because he's got that hitch in his downswing <laughs> on the golf course, but you should see him hit it on the range. He is smooth and he can pound it, but he's just sometimes has trouble taking it across the road from the range to the golf course. I'm sure anybody listening to this right now can can uh, agree that sometimes that's difficult to do. But it's real golf. No matter what league you play in, no matter who you're playing against, no matter what level you're playing, and having a chance to be a part of the American Century Championship on NBC Sports is has become probably one of the highlights for me of the year to be able to go down and watch these players compete so hard, just like you're watching Tiger and Molinari, Spieth and Fowler trying to win a major championship. It's a lot of fun. Well, coming up later in the podcast, I get to spend some time with my good friend, Matt Greaser. You all know Matt, the former sign boy from the FootJoy ads. And now he is the voice of the Wheel of Cheese in the Cheese It ads, who does such a wonderful job. And also, coming on the heels of the American Century Championship and all the celebrities that we watch, I talk about celebrities playing in the PGA Tour events on sponsor exemptions, most notably Tony Romo, also John Smoltz, and Steph Curry, and why I think that's such an important part of the PGA Tour and growing the game. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and I'm a proud University of Oregon duck, and I love being from the Pacific Northwest, but when all three of my children went east for college, I knew I needed to change things up. I wanted to get back into their same time zone. So after an extensive search, my wife and I ended up in the Naples, Florida area, but I wished I'd had Golf Life Navigators to help me make that decision. Golf Life Navigators is like Match.com meets Zillow. It's the only place you can go to uncover your ideal golf lifestyle. So go to GolfLifeNavigators.com and fill out the Pro Guide 3 questionnaire. It will ask you all the pertinent questions like, where do you want to live? Or how do you want to experience your golf? Then it matches you to golf clubs and you get to choose which one has the best environment for you. Look, I, I really don't understand the internet or how it works, but it's so easy even I can figure this out. I'm so happy to be joined now by my good friend Matt Greaser from Los Angeles. Yes, sir. We all know and love him as uh, Foot Joy's sign boy. The boy they sign. I just had to go grab a. Uh, oh, there we go. A little, a uh, little beverage. Something that this is in the diet category because that's what keeps me so slim. Is about twenty diet beverages a day. I understand that. I I enjoy that. Too. What is that? That's that Pepsi. Oh, I can't say name brands. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, Pepsi good. free or Pepsi, Pepsi? It's Pepsi. No zero sugar. Pepsi. Max no, taste. Is it Max taste? Max taste. That's right. Is I mean, that what a... I'm drinking right now is Max taste. 
Well, Matt, you're up in you're up in Portland for the Oregon Legends Golf Tournament. One of my favorite events. I love coming up for this event. I've done it with you, I think, probably six, seven times over the years. And I guess what? There's been a little gap. It yeah, hasn't happened for a couple gap, years. Yeah, because we we have a, a shortage of Oregon Legends. Oh, well, that's why I got christened in then. That was a joke. Oh. We have oh, <laughs> everyone from Oregon the Legends. All right, well, let's talk, well, a about, uh, let's talk a little bit about our history. We did a great show on Golf Channel called Plugged In. Plugged In. Peter Jacobson Plugged In. Well, we had so much fun. We would write our own skits. We would record. We would. We just did. Well, this was all your idea. I remember you came to me. We had met. We had shot a sign boy ad together and hit it off. And I vividly, I still have this in my living room. Uh, we, we met there. We met at an event, and it might have been the Oregon thing or something else to do with PJS. And then you said, hey, I've got an offer to do a show on the Golf Channel. And I said, awesome. He said, but I, well, I need a sidekick. Do you want to be my sidekick? I was like, dude, no-brainer. Done. Done. And you were incredible in going to bat for me. You went to the Golf Channel and said, hey, so uh, you guys know Matt Greaser? And they go, yeah, sign boy. And I go, right. Uh, you said, yeah. And he's going to be my – he'll be my sidekick for the show. And they go, well, okay. I mean, we know – He's an actor again, but, you know, and you said, no, I don't think you understand. There's not, this isn't up for conversation. Matt Greaser is my sidekick. Period. So interesting. Bypassed all casting for me, which I love. <laughs> and uh, and that put us together to do the show. But it all started from you. Start, and I vividly remember this. We were on a tee box at um, Rhode Island Country Club for the CVS. And you turned to me and you said, hey, I do want to talk to you about that, though, because I think you do a great show. You took a Sharpie and a long white tee. And clearly, I still have it. Clearly, you wrote your cell number on the side of the T and handed it to me. So you got to call me because we got to talk about this. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, wow. And I still have it in the uh, the Ed McMurray sign boy bobblehead arms. <laughs> I have it stuffed in there with the sign of my little bobblehead at oh, home. That's but that's literally how I got your number is you wrote it on the side of a T and wrote it on country club. Well, we we got together because at the time you were doing the Footjoy sign boy ads, and which I think is probably the greatest promotional campaign in golf and why Footjoy ever stopped that is beyond me but that's how you got to know a lot of players on tour oh because they recorded with everybody yeah it opened a whole new world I was already a golf fan which is great for them it was a win-win because they could have easily hired an actor that could do the job play the character but wasn't really into golf no big deal but you opened a different world for me because I'm playing sign boy I'm doing these ads and you had all these different events going where sign boy could be a great addition to the clinic we have you show up as sign boy in character, do the thing. And Footjoy was very smart to say, absolutely, you can go do that. And we did, I mean, I met Arnold Palmer, put my head on his shoulder, joking around during a clinic. No one gets to do that. <laughs> and that's part of that was actually was the fun of being sign boy in that, in that one space was I could do that. I could break through and be silly and put my head on. I could never, you could never walk up to Arnold and go, let me just rest my head on your shoulder. But as sign boy, I could get away with it. Now, do you remember the first the first bit we ever did for Plugged In? We were working with the Golf Channel and Jay Kossoff, and they came to Portland, my hometown. Yep. And Jay said, what are we going to do? And I said, I've got a few ideas. We had no storyboards, no script, mm. nothing. No, there wasn't a piece of paper that no. had an idea written down. And there was one, and it was really nice because they trusted us. The first gig we did, we went outside a golf shop here in Beaverton, Oregon, mm -hmm. and we set up a card table. And my golf bag, yeah. and I put a little hand-drawn sign and a little jar that said, Golf Tips by a Pro, for a dollar. $1. $1. I remember when you set it up. And, and looking at it, just standing there when you set it up, 
It looked like the most shaky setup you've ever seen in your life of a card table with a sign, tips for a pro from a book. Yeah. So if I live in Portland and I roll up on the store, I'm like, what pro is here to do? What did you get? We might have been reading poems with tarot yeah, exactly, cards or something. Exactly. And what we did is we hit. We, we had hidden cameras in cars and behind bushes and in the store. So these willing, unwilling, unwilling participants would yes. walk up. Yes. And you played my caddy, I, I, masseuse. Yes. Accountant. Remember, I changed it at the last second. I said, I run your academy. Yeah, that's I right. run the Peter James Academy. Yeah. My name's Grant Hagen. That's a buddy of mine from childhood. Grant Hagen, and I run the academy. So what I do is I give them a quick tip. I make them put the dollar in. They say, where'd the money go? Where's the money going? Yeah. I said, well, I've had a bad year. It's going in my pocket. Oh, the next guy would be, it's going to charity. It's going to Bad Golfers Anonymous. Right. And I give them a tip. And then you would step in as my coach. Yes. And tell... You'd say, Peter, why don't you go in and get that little new swing device you invented? Right. I'd go in, and what would happen? So all the cameras are hidden, they're rolling, and now it's just me and this guy that's come out of the store. And he goes in, I said, i got to tell you, Peter's a great guy. And he goes, yeah, he really seems like it. I go, but he doesn't know squat about the golf swing. And the guy looks <laughs> at me, his face kind of drops, he gets kind of cold, looks out of the side, he's like, I'm serious, dude. I mean, he's going to tell you a bunch of stuff. Just do it, but don't. you don't have to take it in. It's just he's nuts. <laughs> and then you roll back out all excited with the thing, and the guy gets even more excited. Like, yeah, let's try it. This looks like all of a sudden the guy knows he's on TV. Now it's like, ah, woo! <laughs> but we did that. We must have we must have run six, seven people through there, maybe more, and they didn't really catch on until the till the very no, end. No, we definitely but, only one or two had an idea. I remember it was always fun to let them know that they'd been filmed the whole thing. And the the one I remember being so great was a guy that came out and he wanted to work on his putt. You said, what do you want to work on? Short swing, whatever you know. Uh, putter. So we get the putter up. And you had taken the ball and you would put the ball, he would stand over it like he normally would putt. And then you would move the ball about three inches forward to that. And you would say, that's, you're good. Don't move. But pros hit the ball about that much more forward when they putt. And the guy goes, no kidding. You, go, yeah, you probably don't see it on TV, but they really have it another three inches ahead. So that they really follow up with their dominant eye. Do you have a dominant eye? And you go, the whole thing. And this guy's trying to even get to the ball because it's three inches ahead of the putter. And he bought in, and he looks at me kind of like this, but then I think that's when he went, he is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that this guy, Grant Hagen, who, whoever he is, is right. Peter's cuckoo for Cocoa Buffs. No one puts like that. No, speaking about what you're doing these days, uh, you, you've you got a great career going. In fact, your career is a big deal. Nice callback. Uh -huh. Very good callback. You are the voice of the Wheel of Cheese yes, in the Cheese It Ads. Contractually, that would be the immature cheese. And my phone's making noises in here, so I want everybody to enjoy the little sounds. That the, are little, the little twerp? I just flew in. <laughs> Can you believe that? Just in from L.A. into Burbank. I won't do the arms are tired. And so, uh, what were we saying? Uh, cheese It Ads. Yeah, so big immature deal. cheese. Wheel so, of Cheese. Wheel of Cheese. Talking Wheel of Cheese. And um, for me, one of those gigs that, like, out of nowhere, Christopher Guest, the improv genius, Nigel, no, I can't see if, if I did an accident in front of Chris that was that bad, he would look at me like I just threw a ball through a window. He's just like, don't even do it. If you can't do it right, don't do it. Like, that's when he looks <laughs> at you. So, and he's right, and it's terrible. But he, so he's Nigel from Spinal Tap. And obviously, Chris has done, you know, we can go on down the list, but Best in Show. Best in Show. All these different things. Waiting for Government, yes. Mighty Win. Yes, all these things. So he actually does commercials occasionally if he knows the actors can improvise in the ads. So there were a lot of us up for two parts. One was the guy in the lab coat, and the other guy, was, which you won't see, is the talking wheel of cheese. So I had gone in on the lab coat guy 
couple of times. And we went back for the final callback, and there's still 20 guys there. So I thought, well, there's the odds. And I hadn't been brought in to re- still for the cheese. I was iced for about an hour outside in the lobby because they were calling my agent, I found out later, to try to do a deal. But it was a buyout where I wouldn't have gotten paid residual-wise. So my agent goes, he doesn't, and I don't. I don't take my phone into an audition. I mean, imagine if you're going for a job interview and you're just sitting there playing a game on your phone and they come out and they're like, Rob, you ready? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wait, let me finish. Yeah. I've got, got my Sudoku. So imagine 20 actors sitting in a lobby, sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're ready for it. Oh, okay. Dude, be ready to go. Be a pro. So I don't take my phone. And she couldn't reach me. And they were trying to do a deal uh, ahead of time. We're like, get it done. So it ended up that he, at the last second, I went to walk in as a lab coat guy, and I've got the clipboard, and the casting director stops me, he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going in to read for the lab coat guy. He goes, no, 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 you're reading for the cheese. I go, oh, I haven't done that yet. He goes, oh, well, that's what you're doing. Went in, happened to be paired with a guy, and his real name is Joe Smith. That's the guy in the ads from Boston. And I just, we started rolling. We do the slate. So it's an on-camera audition, but then I step out of the way. And you, I do the cheese, and I got under his skin so quick. I just started razzing him, and everything got flustered. Literally, got flustered, like because I was razzing him so hard. So we did the audition, everything well. I didn't think anything of it, but then I get back to my car, and I've got four messages. My agent going, "I know you don't take your phone." Yeah, we've got long story short is that we worked out the deal where I ended up playing the you cheese. You got the deal. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, I know you want to finish your your Pepsi. Yeah, it's Max Taste. We're gonna thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, and. Uh, Look forward to teeing it up with you later today. Can't wait, my man. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. One of the interesting debates this year in 2019 was about PGA Tour celebrity sponsor exemptions. And the question was, have they run their course? Now, I have strong feelings about this. What I'm referring to is any tournament, whether it's on the Corn Ferry Tour, the new Corn Ferry Tour used to be the Web.com Tour, or the PGA Tour, or the LPGA Tour, it doesn't really matter. Tony Romo, the Dallas Cowboy star, now CBS broadcaster, he's been given exemptions into the AT&T Byron Nelson Classic in his hometown of Dallas the last couple of years. Steph Curry the NBA MVP with the Golden State Warriors. He's been given a couple of spots into to the Corn Ferry event in San Francisco. I remember back in my day when I was playing on tour, Mark Rippon, the Super Bowl winning quarterback from the Washington Redskins, a good player. He played in a couple of PGA Tour events. And let's not forget about probably the most famous one was the great LPGA star Annika Sorenstam playing at the Charles Schwab at Colonial. And you can you can start talking about Brittany Lincecum, the LPGA Tour star who got a spot to play with the boys, uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer John Smoltz, the great pitcher, country musician Jake Owen. They've all accepted invites into these tournaments, and I think that's a good thing. When you start looking at PGA Tour events, back when I started, there were no title sponsors. There were no events that uh, had corporate names on. But today... When you've got great sponsors like Charles Schwab, like AT&T, you go across the board. Every LPGA, Corn Ferry, and PGA Tour event has a corporate title sponsor. Well, they're entitled to do whatever they want with their sponsor exemptions. Most field sizes are anywhere from 132 to 156, depending on the tournament, depending on the daylight restrictions. And there's usually anywhere from four to eight to maybe 
12 spots that they can give out to whomever they would like. The fact that they would give a spot to a local celebrity, I think, is a great thing. Let's take Tony Romo. Tony Romo is an excellent player. He's tried to qualify for the PGA Tour and the U.S. Open a few times. He's won a bunch of tournaments in his career, and he's very serious about his game. So when he tees it up at the AT&T Byron Nelson Classic, he gets a lot of fans coming out to watch him play. If you're a PGA Tour player and you have your card, everybody knows you can play and you deserve to be there. But Tony Romo is is of great interest. He's, he's stepping out of his profession, playing in the NFL, and now he's a broadcaster, and he's stepping into ours. He's becoming a serious golfer. And guess what? He's a pretty good golfer. Steph Curry, he may not be as good a golfer as Tony Romo. He hasn't played as much as Tony, but he still can play. Jake Owen, the country star, he can really play. So I, I think that it is the debate should really lay with the title sponsor. What do they want to accomplish with those title sponsorships and their exemptions? If they're trying to raise the awareness of their own brand in the community, then they should give these sponsors to whom, these exemptions to these celebrities in the area. It's going to bring people out. They're going to sell tickets. They're going to sell uh, merchandise. And they're going to raise the awareness of the event. So count me as one who loves to see celebrity sponsor exemptions. I think we should have more of them. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours? 